Are you ready to level up? Today's episode is being brought to you by the Dream Chaser Conference, happening on Saturday, April 4th. The Dream Chaser Conference is an impactful gathering for Black women entrepreneurs and creatives who are relentlessly pursuing their dreams. Our speakers are industry experts and successful businesswomen who want to share their insights with you. You will walk away with new valuable connections and lucrative strategies for you to begin implementing immediately. Early bird tickets are now available for a limited time, so go to register at dreamchaserconference.com today. Hey, 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 Dream Chasers. I'm really excited about today's podcast episode because I have somebody on that. Honestly, I've been lurking on her page for the past few few months and just have seen the amazing work that she does helping entrepreneurs. So I just thought she would be a great addition to be on the Dream Chaser podcast. So allow me to introduce you to Jerisha Hawk. She is an income strategist, business coach, and preacher of truth. She teaches service-based business owners how to sell effectively, serve impeccably, and create consistent income so they can crush it online. Welcome, Jerisha. Hey, hey, Jennifer. It is a pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me today. You are very welcome. I always, you know, tell others and I live by this truth as well as far as, you know, you grow by having conversations and meeting new people. And so I thought it would be great to have you on today. So we're going to hop on in to um, our discussion, our conversation today. And one of the questions I always ask um, our guests is to tell us about your dream chasing journey. And you can highlight, you know, pivot points in your life or in your business or maybe when you took a leap of faith. So go ahead, tell us about your dream chasing journey. Yeah, when uh, this question was really interesting as I was just thinking it over because when I was growing up as a kid, you know, it, it took me back to like when I was like six or seven years old and I used to, um, the movie Legally Blonde mm-hmm. had such an impact on me as a child. <laughs> uh-huh. And I used to want to be a lawyer and only reason why I think I even wanted to be a lawyer is I loved you know, conversating. I always loved, you know, like dealing with objection type Mm -hmm. conversations as a child. Um, But watching that movie was probably the first time where I saw a woman, she was pretty, but she was herself. Like she was all of who, like who she was, whether or not you liked her or didn't agree with her style or her fashion or whatever. Uh She was just her. Um, and I fell in love with that. And I fell, that's when I fell in love with Apple products because she had an orange (laughs) MacBook. Um, and I just love the fact that like, she was fashion forward and feminine, but like kind of going beyond the expected from what society expected her to be. Yeah. You know, growing up as a, you know, in that movie, again, it's kind of a tie into like dream chasing, but like that movie and Mulan have, um, Mulan. Okay. Oh my gosh. Yes. Because here this woman is, you know, people see, see it as like this. I don't know how people envision that Disney movie, but mm-hmm. the way that I look at Mulan is like this woman was trying to stand up for her family. Right. And, you know, in society and the culture that she came from, it was not allowed for her to participate in battle like that. Yeah. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. ended up being the one on top who saved the whole country. <laughs> right. So, right. You know, yeah. I'm like those two just when you asked that question, it took me back to childhood of like, what wow. were my dreams? Mm-hmm. And my dreams have always been um, 
whether I could articulate it this way or not, but like, how can I go beyond what is expected of me? How can I go beyond what is expected of me from a society standpoint? Like, how can I be more than um, like my current circumstances or just what's expected of me because of my circumstances? And that has always been a very like pivotal, I guess, like thought process or mindset that has helped me make mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Uh, kind of going through like this dream chasing journey, you know, at first I wanted to be a lawyer and then Uh fell in love with architecture. Um, I used to uh, games and movies influenced my childhood. Um, I play the Sims and like build houses for my families on there. Um, So I went to school for architecture, then like my dream, but my dream has always just been, how can I be in a financial position where you know, it's, it's more than what people expect to be, uh, expect of me. How can I go beyond what the status quo is and whatever right. that is? Yeah. Um, and that's just really presented itself in very unique ways. Like I never thought I was going to be a full-time business owner. Okay. Um, when I switched my major and became an engineer, I have a civil engineering degree. I um, went into corporate America. I, within three years, I was the lead engineer on a $400 million pipeline project. Mm-hmm. I thought like that was it. Like I'm gonna run this project, get continue to get promoted at an like an, at an absurd rate. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be in the C-suite, and I really just wanted to be representation for other women and women of color. I wanted to be in a pop. Like people always say, I want to sit at the table. I'm like, that is right. not enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I want a voice once I get there, and I want to be in a position of influence and power, and where I can make decisions and make changes because of my influence and power because I'm here. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I thought I was going to do. Um, and it's just really interesting how like God, the mission has never changed. I've always wanted to increase the representation of women, women of color, and like not just have a seat at the table, but help people have a voice, know how to articulate their value. Right. Um, know how to like, how to command those high power influential type of positions and know how to navigate that. Okay. Um, but it's always just presented itself in a very unique way. Um, so that's so like when, kind of the journey. Yeah. So when was your pivoting point? So I know you said that, you know, you, um, you know, went to engineering school, then you, you know, you got the corporate job, but, you know, obviously now you're a full-time entrepreneur. So what was your pivot point? Was it something like, okay, this isn't fitting? Um, because like you said, like it's, you, you still moving toward that same mission in terms of representation. So what was the pivot point for you? It was, uh, you know, we all had those annual performance reviews. Mm-hmm. and I will toot my own horn I was crushing it at work and uh-huh. everybody else knew that too and we sat down in that performance review with my boss and I always was the one that like I had all my career goals laid out I knew what I wanted I'm like bruh this is where I'm trying to go how are you going to aid me in getting there mm-hmm. and um he was just telling me about how amazing my efforts had been this year how amazing my work was um and he was like you know you're going to get a raise that is higher than expected and I was mm-hmm. like that like Mm-hmm. I don't know what I was thinking, but he was like, you're going to get a raise of, uh, it was 2.9%, like just under 3%. And okay. I was like, okay. He's like, you know, 3% raise um, is, you know, and I had just got promoted to that position. So I wasn't in the role that long, but he was okay. like, 3% raise is more than the norm. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm thinking I'm about to be making like all this extra money and I ran mm-hmm. back to my desk. Pull out, pulled out a calculator and it was an extra $67 on my paycheck before taxes. What? Yeah, you said 3%. I'm like, okay. I mean, it might sound decent, but when you do the math, y'all. Do break the math. 
do the Months math. A week before <laughs> taxes. I'm like, what? After taxes, what? Like, we can go to Olive Garden now. <laughs> that was a huge pivot point. Mm-hmm. I, I could, in my role, I had um. I, I had did a really good job of understanding how my individual contributions were impacting the larger organization. Mm-hmm. And I just saw how much money uh, my efforts and my impact and the work I was doing in my department was impacting like the company's revenue and the company's bottom line. And I'm just like, dude, I, and I, one thing, when you're running a project that large, even though I was an engineer, the lead engineer, pretty much all the work was outsourced because the mm-hmm. project was too big for us to handle in house. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing how much I'm signing these contracts for for our contract. Yeah, yeah. Was, I'm in Something the wrong side of the business. Yeah, wrong um, side. Yeah, so I'm just like you know I'm I loved my job. I loved the work that I did, but that was a really I'd say that was a huge pivot point for me and like what actually forced me to start my business. Not forced, but like introduced me and like okay, started making me think. Okay, what's another way? Um, and I still had never connected the dots, but like so many of my peers at the time were coming to me asking, okay, Jay, how are you getting in these meetings? How are you in these rooms? How are you getting these positions? Like, tell us what you're doing. Yeah. And I started on Facebook. I started just doing live stream videos when I get home from work, just sharing what was working for me. Uh-huh. That s- slowly snowballed into, oh my gosh, this is so valuable. Like, you know, I apply what you learned and I got this raise or it kind of led people, you know, people started inquiring a bit more and kind of the backtrack in college, I had an e-commerce business because I um, ran out of financial aid, didn't know that that was possible to do, but, Uh (laughs) Um, and I started an online clothing business to pay for school, like long story short, kept it for a year and made about 50 grand. Then I closed Yes. Right, so, you know, paid for school without having to get on a pole by the grace of God. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just to backtrack, like people kind of knew me like from that, but, like they knew I had a business before and they were seeing me now. And then those live stream videos really was kind of the gateway drug for people to start reaching out and saying, okay, well, can you coach me? Like, can you help me mm-hmm. do whatever? Now were you on like Periscope, on Facebook, on Facebook Live? Facebook Live, Live to this you. day is my hero platform. That is Got where my you. bread and butter is made. Nice, nice. That's what's up. And it's funny because, you know, the idea of, you know, making that pivot, seeing, seeing you know, what you take home. And like right now I'm reading some Rich Dad, Poor Dad books. Mm. And, you know, it talked about, you know, how at the end of the day, like you can be employee all you want. But, you know, from, you know, income potential and tax um, advantages, like everything favors the business owner. And so like on, on one hand, while, you know, right now it's like, it seems like being an entrepreneur is like the thing to do. Um, I do believe that, you know, there is freedom, there is potential in really figuring out what you're gifted at, how can you monetize that, and then just getting out there and trying it. So like, how, what, what is your take on, you know, entrepreneurship and being a woman owned business, a business owner? Yeah. One thing like on that topic that you just mentioned here is like, I think the more important thing is it's not about like, I want to be the business owner or that's the only way for, that's the only gateway for me to have freedom. Kind of for me, what I've noticed, like freedom of earning potential, freedom of capacity and time and flexibility has all been about your ability to articulate your value. Mm-hmm. And, um, because I know entrepreneurship is not for everybody, but that doesn't yeah. mean 
we have a lot of clients that come and say, well, I, I want either more money. I want um, more flexibility, more freedom. And they think they have to build a business and mm -hmm. you know, everybody isn't cut out for it. Um, That's true. But I do believe that like that dream lifestyle that you, uh, you know, fantasize about is available to you when, cause if you can articulate the value of what you do and be able to connect that, like I said, kind of being able to have a voice at that table, knowing yeah. what, like knowing how your individual contributions are impacting somebody's bottom line, being able to effectively articulate your return on investment when somebody works with you, whether that's in, a, in an employee environment or as a business owner, I think that ability to articulate value and connect the dots on um, mm -hmm. your contributions to impact, that is your gateway drug um, mm -hmm. to being able to have, because if you, even in a work environment, like mm -hmm. you cannot wait for HR to tell you how much you should get paid. That's um, true. It's your responsibility to understand like, okay, what is the strategic model of this organization that I'm working in? How am I impacting the bottom line? And how am I making that known, making that visible and articulating that so they see me as a valuable asset and not just another employee that they can be replaced? Wow, that's so major, so major. And obviously that really aligns with the work that you do in terms of, you know, working with service-based entrepreneurs and helping them to like sell themselves and articulate their value. And I was actually watching one of your live streams on um, Facebook and you mentioned how in the beginning of your business, you, you, you weren't really sure what problem you were solving. How did you figure it out and discover like the niche that you are in right now? Oh, girl, that was the struggle. <laughs> like struggle, struggle. I, like, yeah, struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I mean, like when you're starting off in business, like the first thing that you're influenced by are the Facebook ads and Instagram ads of build a course, like have a six, make six figures in six weeks. Like mm -hmm. you make it all sound so easy. And it is simple, but it is for damn sure not easy. Yeah. Um, but I think the biggest differentiator was in the beginning, I kept focusing on like the demographic that I was trying to serve, not the person that I was solving a problem for. I was more focused on like, what is my, deli I, I thought coaching was the surface. It's like, no, coaching is a delivery mechanism. Having a, mm -hmm. a delivery mechanism, that's not, you know, the promise that you're delivering. It's not the thing people are paying for. Yeah. And, I didn't realize that until um, probably about six months into business, because in the beginning, like I had enough, I mean, I was able to, you know, operate from a sense of confidence and my prices were so low that there was no risk if somebody were to pay me, like, gotcha, gotcha. It was mm -hmm. $180. It's like, I don't really know exactly what I'm about <laughs> to get, but she seemed like she knows what she's talking about. Like I'll test it out. Uh -huh. So I'll, I'll cash up you real quick. Uh -huh. I, you know, it's send, cool. Send the PayPal invoice. I got you. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> but when I started adding additional zeros onto that and like mm -hmm. trying to charge $2,000 per client, $3,000 per client, people were like, nah, sis, I don't really know what you're doing. Like, there's no way I'm about to drop racks on being able to work with you. And I think that was like a huge moment for me is like, oh crap. I'm just, mm -hmm. you know, selling an idea of something. I'm not articulating what the business opportunity is for somebody. And I'm not, I'm, I'm so focused on cost. I haven't mm -hmm. connected the dots on what the return on investment is going to be. Mm, I'm okay. on, I have another course. I want to go like make money and help you do like put, you know, there's a huge difference between solving a problem that's just putting a bandaid over a bullet. Wound yes. 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 Versus like, I want to go in depth and help this person get a real result. It's my responsibility yeah. to articulate that. So yeah, for sure. 
kind of uh, when I raised my, when I tried, let me say tried, because just because you raised <laughs> to the rate that you raised it to, right, was a wake up call for me. And then it's like instead of quitting, which I think a lot of people will quit, yep. it, like you know what, yeah. If I can't sell my cheap thing, how the heck am I going to sell this expensive thing? People tell me they don't want it, yep. they ain't got money for it, but like I know I'm good at what I do. People will give yep. up. Yep. So and true. instead of giving up, it's just like, okay, why like really thinking about it and getting your emotions out of it. And it's just like from a business perspective, why is this happening? Like you have mm -hmm. a great idea, but you haven't articulated this. What's the business opportunity? What yeah. promise are you delivering? Like, what are you guaranteeing your clients? What result are you helping them achieve? And not just no fluffy, I hope you feel more empowered. I hope you launch your business. That yeah. is not measurable. Measurable, exactly. Exactly. Like, I need to get, if I'm helping you grow your business, like helping me saying that, oh, I'm going to help you grow your business versus I will teach you how to package and, you know, sell a high ticket offer and I will show you how to make your next $2,000 client in the next 30 days. That is a promise. That's a promise. Exactly. Not yeah. just, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think also it helps to, you know, differentiate yourself from the crowd that's out there at the end yes. of the day. And honestly, like you almost pretty much described me on to the T because I've had my coaching business for literally a little bit over a year. And literally, I remember my first course was like $39. Like this was like a live coaching course. Do you hear me? $39 because I was scared to, you know, actually yeah. charge some real money for it. And I was like, okay, this is the first one. Let me just try this. And then like, you know, people are actually getting results. And I'm like, wait, you making money off of what I taught you? And you only paid me $39 for this? Uh-uh. And so I think like that gave me the confidence to raise my prices like that next time, like add a zero. And then it's like, okay, it was working. And then when I tried to add another zero, like crickets, like, and just how you said, like you, it's easy to give up. Um, but, you know, understanding the value that you bring, understanding, you know, the results that you're going to help a person have um, is really game changing. And again, like one of the reasons why I was like, you know what, we need to have her on is because I think people are scared to sell at the end of the day. Even when I encounter some of my clients and then just other people that I know, sometimes entrepreneurs are scared to sell. So how do you encourage your clients to, over, to overcome, you know, that fear of of selling themselves yeah i think the first like kind of mindset shift we have to make is that like you're not selling anything mm -hmm. like you are um really trying to align the skills that you have and like okay understand kind of we use something we call like the pop method and um yeah like pick one problem that you're solving when mm -hmm. you have that clear who is the one person that you're going to be solving that problem for and what is the process you take a client through to get that result? Mm -hmm. and if somebody's coming to you and it's like that aligns with the promise that you deliver and that also is qualified, meaning like that they're a person that you can solve this problem for mm -hmm. all right now is just trying to, I, like, this is how I approach sales and how we teach sales. It's just like, you have a solution, like you have a resource and yeah. money and thinking about your skill set. It's just a resource that will help somebody um, experience a transformation your goal now is just how do you connect the dots to see is this a good fit for you and what is the next best step forward for this client yeah the next best step forward might be with you it might not like right. you know, things we can put in place to make sure that you're talking to qualified people where the right the best next step forward should be you mm -hmm. um, 
but really like it's kind of disassociating. I think uh, when people say they're scared of sales, my first thing is like, when you think of what makes you afraid of sales and like kind of asking the question behind the question. Yeah, for sure. And what we've noticed, a lot of people are scared of sales because either one, they're, they're afraid of rejection. Yes. Um, or two, this is where it is more nine times out of 10 is they don't feel confident in the thing that they're selling. For sure. And the main reason is, is because one is probably not packaged. If you're like, if you're just like, well, I'll do whatever you need and we'll just co completely customize it. Like there's a lack of certainty about you being able to know that you can help this person get a result because it's not packaged into a, a solid framework. Um, and then when you, as the business owner, the person doing the selling, when you cannot clearly articulate the return yep. on investment or the value that it's delivering, that will show up in your sales. Like you'll feel yeah. like, well, I don't, I know, I think this is valuable, but like, I really don't know. And I definitely don't know how to communicate that. So they get it. So then like, I'm scared to get on the sales call. Yep. So that's yeah. normally like what we notice for majority of our clients is that piece. They lack the confidence. And I think more so the certainty on knowing that they have a packaged offer that they're confident about that yeah. they're happy with the price at um and that they're also confident in their ability to articulate what their roi is going to be so exactly. overcoming it is like nailing those things down and getting support with doing that um so then sales don't have to be scary at all it's just yeah is this, a, is this the best next step forward for you or not and you're kind of detached from the yes or the no Exactly. There's this book that I've just recently um, read. It's called Destroying the Spirit of Rejection. Mm -hmm. And even when you think you cool with rejection, you will read that book and be like, ooh, ooh, like, I'm ooh. Cool with rejection. So I totally recommend it to anybody that's like, you know, it's just scared of rejection, scared of the nose, you know, scared to put themselves out there because they don't know what the response is going to be. It just, I feel like, uncovers a lot of things that, some things that even date back to our childhood that oh, we carry yeah. on as adults and even as entrepreneurs and it, you know, manifests itself in how we operate. So if anybody's listening, you want a resource that um, can help you with that, I would definitely recommend to check out that book. Can we touch um, on that like one more? Yeah, one more? go ahead. Um, I think too, from a, like understanding culturally what is happening, like I think being a woman mm -hmm. or being a woman of color, being a person of color, period, um, many of us have been muted for so long where okay. like systematically our voice in society has not mattered or has mm -hmm. not had merit. Mm -hmm. so now you see women starting businesses, women of color, black women specifically starting businesses at a faster rate than any other demographic. Yep. Here we are having to learn how to be comfortable, like allowing our voice to be heard for yeah. so many decades. That was not the case in our society. So true. So I think so, like understanding that layer as well. And like, you know, this, I mean, it's interesting how you coach clients on how to sell and make more money, but like this stuff comes up a lot um, yeah. because it's, it's, it's one of the barriers for us is like being comfortable, being seen for once um, yeah. and not just seeing and not just being seen as an object uh, in like a sexual manner, but being seen as yep. a woman of intellect authority um, Yep. Mm -hmm. in authority like exactly and being taken seriously and being respected and like yep. being comfortable with this attention in a new way mm -hmm. um, and just knowing how to confidently navigate it and in addition to like running a business and like doing all right. the other things that come along so right 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 i think that yeah. i'm going to check out the book you recommended because i think it, it'll um it just sounds valuable from like a healing perspective on oh yeah layers
Yeah, it, it's a um, it's a Christian-based book. It has a lot of biblical references in it. Um, the author is John Eckhart. You can definitely find it on Amazon. Mm. So uh, mine is all marked up, dog tagged, <laughs> and everything. So I, I keep that thing close for sure. Well, it's funny because as you know, you read books and different things. My other question I wanted to have, wanted to present to you was, how do you invest in yourself as an entrepreneur? Because, you know, there's a difference between, at least I believe, you know, uh, an entrepreneur that's able to bring in five figures and six figures and seven figures and eight figures. And, you know, I feel like there's just a lot of development that has to happen. And one of my mentors also had shared this, and I thought it was so true that entrepreneurship is like one of the most vulnerable um, positions because, you know, you are in a sense selling yourself. So when it does, when things don't happen, it's easy to, you know, feel that rejection or your insecurities to really be, you know, put out there on front street. So how do you invest in yourself as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, Entrepreneurship is the best form of therapy. Like it forces you to do the healing. And if you do not learn the tools on how to handle the mindset and the emotional aspects that come like with all the things that your mentor just presented, like you will, you will crumble. Like it is the number one reason why you won't be successful. It's not that you're not smart enough or you're not capable. It's just, again, many of us have not been equipped with the tools to be able to handle the emotional, like the, like the emotional roller coaster that comes with this journey. Um, but for me, like investing in myself is a non-negotiable, non-negotiable. And like, kind of, I, I, I still look at myself as a student. I hope I never use that mindset. Um, but every year I create a curriculum for myself on like, just Mm -hmm. like if you were going to go to school and like, okay, we want to graduate with this degree in four years, i.e. I want to build a million dollar (laughs) business in four years. Right. What does my curriculum need to be over the next four years to make that happen? And, you know, kind of reverse engineering that and saying, okay, mm-hmm. kind of going into the new decade, going into 2020, I have identified like, what are, what is my curriculum for the year? Where are the biggest gaps that I need to get closure on? Yeah. Um, and then based off of that, okay, who, like, and you need to get specific. You don't want to be talking yeah. about I want business one-on-one. No, I'm <laughs> trying to get like, right, right. Differential equations. Like I need to get specific about the topic that I want. And then when I get very, very clear on the result that I'm looking to accomplish in identifying those gaps. And it's like, okay, where do I need to learn that information? What room do I need to be in? What table do I need to be sitting at? Yeah. Um, and then that's kind of when I, so kind of before I even go into the year, I've already, and again, it is a line item in my, in my, budget. Uh, yeah. in my budget, like yeah. it is non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Um, so from like a curriculum, like education standpoint, that is something I do. And that might be like coaches. It might, mm-hmm. I really don't like DIY courses at, at this stage, to be quite honest, unless it's, yeah. um, me buying it for like to train a team member. Um, but mainly because I've noticed, like, I always say the transformation happens after the transaction. Okay. And typically the larger the, the transaction price point, the greater yep. The transformation is for sure um, for sure and also like when you start to grow in your business like and uh it's just like sometimes you have to know like what is my threshold to make me pay attention mm. oh yeah because if you write a check <laughs> with it, some zeros it's like i'm gonna show up i will be committed like your girl will be on every call i'll be right. responding to every email mm-hmm. um, versus if i go buy like a 300 dollars course like i can guarantee you 
I'm not going to, like, it, I'm not going to go through it. Like I said, if, if at best, that'll be uh, something we buy for a team member for training or something. But gotcha. so gotcha. from a curriculum coaching standpoint, like I said, when I think of curriculum, I think of like, um, again, identifying those gaps, mm-hmm. getting clear on like, what are like three areas of focus that you want to really improve on mm-hmm. and what is the result that you're looking to achieve. So when you hire somebody, if you do end up working with a coach, you need to make sure that that person does directly tie to the result that you're looking to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. You know, maybe they're just one step of the way. Maybe they can help you get there the entire way. Right. There's a direct line of sight. So I think about that as like, who do I need to hire? What rooms do I need to be in? How many books that I need to be reading? Yeah. I'll I'll literally go on Amazon and like source um, and outside of core business tactical mm-hmm. strategy type stuff, um, at this stage, it's like also thinking about my personal yes. care and yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like what drained my battery this year mm-hmm. and what do I need to do differently? Oh, that's good. Um, so going into 2020 for me, like non-negotiables, therapy will be a non-negotiable. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I used to do like a more high intensity workout. Um, but honestly, I've been going to yoga recently and it's been just so much better for me from a mental, like I don't work out to look good. I right. work out to feel good at this point in my life. Yep. Yep. Um, so those are some things like in addition to investing in myself is like your business will only have as much energy as you have. For sure. And for if sure. you're constantly like running close to E, no one, I really look at like, there's no wonder your business isn't growing at the pace you want it to. Like you yeah. don't have energy and you're the engine yeah. of your business. Yeah. So, so I've been true. just looking for more ways on like, uh, outside of like, just like hardcore content strategy stuff, where else do I need to be charging my battery to make sure that I'm, I can show up in my business as the best version of myself as, as possible. So those are some things I do to invest in myself. That's- that's awesome. And I just loved how it is a multi-pronged approach. Cause I think sometimes we just look at one, we, we want the silver bullet that's going to help us, you know, get to that six figure um, level or whatever the case may be. But yeah. understanding like, Hey, you got to take care of yourself, mind, body, and spirit. And also, you know, educationally. And um, like one of the things that you said, what rooms do I need to be in? And I think it's important that, you know, we build new relationships and, you know, build out, you know, our network and our the partnerships that we do. Cause I think that's something that I, um, had to overcome in terms of just feeling like, oh, I, I had to do everything myself versus, you know, building a team or building a, a, a better network that I can collaborate with. So it has been much freeing for myself to really operate like that versus trying to do everything myself. So kudos yeah. to you for that curriculum. I'm definitely going to adopt that. Like, you know what? I got a 2020 curriculum. Hello. Yes. <laughs> like, you didn't know where you're going, honey. Like, you right. didn't know what you want. A, a 2020 curriculum. And one thing I would also say is being a person that, you know, is a new entrepreneur in terms of the business that I'm doing now, um, I used to think like, you know, if you hired one coach, like that person would just help you with everything. And now I'm saying that, you know, it's different coaches for different things. And then, you know, and, and even saying that, and I hope someone that's listening can hear this is that, you know, this, and I say it all the time that, you know, this entrepreneurship um, journey is exactly that. It's a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. 
you know, you're not going to finish in what 12.2 seconds. And so <laughs> with that, you know, you have to progress, you figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, um, I think even just hearing from you and your story has really helped, you know, to bring some clarity around, you know, just the stages that we go through in life and in our business. So, so thanks for sharing that. So you um, mentioned one thing in terms of, you know, how you invest in yourself in terms of being in different rooms and the curriculum that you need to focus on. Um, I heard in one of your podcasts that you joined a mastermind. And I know that this is something, and again, depending on how long you've been in the business world or entrepreneurship world, you know, I don't think everybody knows exactly what a mastermind is. And for those who don't know, um, can you kind of share about one that you joined and how do you find it and how it was maybe life changing for you? Yeah, totally. Um, and I kind of look at like in the business sector, uh, I look at kind of support that comes in a multitude of ways. So either you might have a one-on-one -on -one coach or a mentor, um, you might be in a group coaching program and typically group coaching programs are, um, there's a set curriculum that you guys are all following, going through to, so to collectively achieve a specific result. Mm -hmm. And then masterminds are uh, typically don't have curriculum. Um, and that's really the, and, I mean, you have to be careful in the online space because like people yeah. call anything, anything. Um, so just, th this is my experience and like my vantage yeah. point on it. But like, so uh, coaching programs typically come with curriculum and have touch points where you're able to get you know, assistance with coaching and like helping you apply what you've been learning, but everybody in there is trying to achieve a specific end result. Mm -hmm. um, and then masterminds are, like I said, no curriculum. Um, typically we meet like most masterminds that I've, I've seen or that I've been a part of, uh, typically we'll meet maybe once a month, maybe twice a month at most. And then we'll have really the transformation takes place during these in-person events. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is like you, masterminds are at least the one that I'm in. Everybody there is at a, um, there's an income threshold requirement. So either I've seen masterminds where there's like a quarter of a million dollar requirement or a million dollar requirement. So everybody there is at least coming to the table, um, you know, from a certain level of expertise. Yeah, I got and it. And then it's more so about like peer-to-peer -peer learning. So typically mm -hmm. the masterminds are a lot more like hot seat focused, meaning mm -hmm. that, you know, I'll come in and say, okay, guys, this is the challenge. It's you, you typically the participant will come with a very specific question um, during these events. They're looking for just insight or other perspective on in that's really the value of the mastermind is that everybody in there um, has achieved a certain level of success. You guys are at least on the same playing field. And mm -hmm. then the main value is that they're able to offer you perspectives and see blind spots and offer insight and share lessons learned that maybe you weren't able to notice, or maybe you haven't experienced yet to help you achieve where it is that you're trying to go. Um, but it's really more about that peer to peer support mm -hmm. and perspective and insight. There's no curriculum. Gotcha. Um, Typically the masterminds that I've been a part of and that I, uh, there's one more room I want to get into that I'm not, you know, we're working towards, like they're all five figure investments. Okay. Um, and not to say like, I, I have been a part of a peer to peer mastermind that was not paid. Like, I think we paid $500 a quarter, like twice a year for, so a grand a year. Mm -hmm. um, and the difference with that, so I, I think too, with all these things that I've mentioned, especially with masterminds, either there can be, there's paid groups that you can join, or it's like you can, you know, kind of what you were saying, how do you build a tribe of 
uh, like-minded individuals and you guys come together collectively to support each other with achieving a particular outcome. Right. And I've been in a peer-to-peer -to -peer one too. Um, kind of what I've noticed is like the best rooms that I've been in are the rooms that I pay to be in. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and honestly, like there's a yeah. different commitment level. Like if you spend $30,000 to be in this room, their attention and their like focus and their like ability to just be present is going to be dramatically different mm -hmm. than like the commitment level is a lot heavier. Um, For sure. So, I mean, I've been a part of peer to peer masterminds, a few of them, some of them are complete trash because it, one person ends <laughs> up just being the coach for everybody. Um, okay. which is no fun um, no. but the commitment level is the same people won't show up to calls or like aren't willing to share resources and um, I'm just a big believer in like you know I've been able to form some really amazing networks and communities of peers that are not paid but then again every person I'm trying to think through right now maybe not every but maybe 90% of the people that I have met that I am in a peer group with I met them at a paid event or I met them through gotcha. a paid program Wow. Wow. So and that is, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. That, that's, that speaks to, you know, as far as like, it's like you said, commitment level and you know, what people are really trying to, you know, get out of the places that they show up at. Um, yeah. so I just, at the end of the day, let's be honest. It's totally different when you go to like a totally free event, even if it's just a social event versus one that, you know, the conference costs, you know, $500 to attend. Yeah, Those totally. attendees. Yeah. Totally different. Totally different. Now I think about the first time where I had to be like, Oh my gosh, like I'm about to spend $300 to go to this conference. But you know what? I met one person that totally like changed the game and helped me make so many contacts. So like that $300 investment, was nothing compared to what I was able to, you know, um, get out of the relationships and what I learned at the event. So I think we definitely have to look at, you know, how we spend our money differently, make sure that, you know, it's an investment at the end of the day. So, yeah, totally. so I know we're, we've been on for a little bit and I just kind of want to wrap up by, you know, you kind of just sharing with us about some of your signature methods. I heard you talk about the pop method before. If there's, you know, anything that, you want to, you know, share where, you know, it's really going to help an uh, entrepreneur that has service-based, uh, that is a service-based business, you know, change the game for them? I say like the biggest thing if you are um, a service-based provider is stop customizing and stop charging by the hour. Um, again, like I think it's a, it's a huge mindset shift that has to happen between am I doing this thing to make money or am I doing this thing to help clients get consistent results? Mm -hmm. um, am I creating and selling this thing just to make money or am I creating this thing so it can be like creating something that will be consistently profitable? Um, okay. Probably like the biggest heartbreak that, you know, I'm, I'm working on my emotions to cope with it. But like the biggest heartbreak I see is super successful, super skilled individuals selling things that are making revenue, but they have never paid themselves. It's not profitable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, kind of going back to the pop method, this is um, one part of our signature framework, but it's really teaching service-based providers, like how do you really drill down, narrow your niche and focus mm -hmm. on creating a, you know, unpacking your intellectual property, to create your proven process to help clients get a very specific result. Mm -hmm. When we've been able, when people have fully implemented the pop method, have been decisive and actually picked a niche um, and have trusted our process. I mean, their income has skyrocketed. Um, right. 
just from being able to niche down and focus. So I think if you're, if you're um, listening to this right now and you're, you know, your aspiration by the end of next year is to be able to, you know, cross over that six figure mark or shoot, even if it's just a make your first $30,000 or your first $10,000, right. Um, there is so much profitability and in the pop method and by you like pick one problem, pick one person, package one process. I would add on to that is pick one platform, meaning mm -hmm. like, what is your hero platform going to be that you are going to, you know, give all of your attention and focus to like, just pick one, um, whether that's Facebook or okay. gotcha. or the podcast, like pick one platform. That'll be your hero platform that, will be designed to attract qualified leads and prep and prime them, qualify them to be ready to purchase. And then pick just one profit conversion tool. So okay. what I mean by that is like, uh, people will do webinars and email sequences and Facebook ads and sales mm -hmm. calls um, and live events. And they're wondering <laughs> why am I struggling all over? It's like, again, you only have so much capacity um, capacity from a time perspective, meaning like how much time do you actually have to like learn all of these things and learn right. them well enough to do them to work? Um, and how much resource do you have? Like if you don't have a huge, like, you know, maybe you don't have a large audience, maybe you don't have a ton of money to go buy an audience through ads. You have to do, pick a strategy, pick a profit conversion tool that will make the most sense for you based off of the season of business you're in and the capacity that you have. Gotcha. I think sales calls, is the most effective way to do it, especially if you're selling high ticket and you know, and you're making less than sure. years. Um, so those five elements of the pop method, problem, person, process, platform, and your profit conversion tool. If again, this, the most difficult part is you just picking one. Yep. <laughs> picking one. Pick one. Pick one. Ah! Uh -huh. <laughs> I'm not saying that you have to marry it. Mm -hmm. I am asking that you at least date it for an extended duration, <laughs> you actually have data points to know whether or not it works. Got but yeah. just date it. I'm not saying you got to get in bed and like get committed and buy the mm -hmm. house with it, but I am asking you to date it. Um, and like, honestly, if you can go a whole year focusing on one thing in each of those categories, like one problem, you're not and building a business, helping somebody launch a business is not a problem. Um, yeah, that is like a broad range that like gets super specific about the result that you're providing um, on all of these things. I can get like, I will guarantee here on the podcast, you will see, <laughs> you will see a huge impact on your bottom line and your profitability. That is her word, y'all. Y'all hear it? Y'all hear it? She put it out there. Hold me cool. to it. But if that I cool. holes and you pick three different things, I'm gonna call you out now. <laughs> call you out. That's what's up. Uh, thank you so much for being on today. Just being able to, you know, um, you know, hear your story and then also just, you know, hear from your experience as well. I know that all everyone listening has add, you have added some value to their life. So as we close up, is there just one book, one quote? Um, that just has really impacted you in 2019. Can you share that possibly? Man, a book or a quote that has impacted me. Um, probably a book is the first thing that's coming to my mind. Uh, I cannot remember the name of the author, but the book is called The Road Less Stupid. <laughs> okay. It, one is very comical, but it is so fruitful. Um, but the book really focuses about like, 
I think as a, a one thing is you're building a business is really difficult and nobody really talks about this, but, um, so I wasn't super prepared for it, but like, how do you mm-hmm. differentiate your role as the founder of the company, um, mm. differentiate your role from the founder to being the CEO of the company? Yeah. Yeah. And many people mesh those two together. Like I'm the CEO, I'm the founder. It's like, no, 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 no. Um, just, just like Steve Jobs, just cause you founded the company does not mean as a CEO, you can still be fired from your company. Mm -hmm. And really starting to look at myself as being an employee to my company in service to my company versus my company being in service to me. That's good. Um, And that's it. Those are still things I'm definitely like learning those roles. How do I build this team? How do I build a culture outside of now just being a solopreneur? Like, yeah, we have people on payroll. Like we actually have employees now. Like I can't just keep doing what I want to do. Like as free willy as I was doing it before. Yeah. Um, you know, the business has grown beyond just me. So, but that book specifically just talks about the importance of you having time to just think. Mm. And I think, and it gives you a lot of questions to like, as prompts to to help you start to think more critically. And I think as a CEO, as you really start stepping into a CEO role, Mm -hmm. um, that is hard work. Like a lot of your time is not doing a task is having capacity to think through solutions and think through opportunities. Like you just need time to think. Yeah. That's um, good. And I didn't really understand that before. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm going to just sit here and think like <laughs> I got stuff to do. I got, I got, like, I got a task list. <laughs> right. And it's like, okay, well we need like, once you start delegating and all of that, like what is your responsibility as the CEO? And that responsibility for me is, you know, it's my responsibility to create the strategic direction of this company. It's my responsibility to um, start to develop and communicate a a culture that is conducive for people wanting to come work here. For Um, sure. Like, it's just, you know, and that book has really just was, uh, I reference it often is, you know, and I'm, it's a practice I'm still trying to fully implement Mm -hmm. is giving myself time to just think about things yeah. Um, and then how do I create space in my calendar to do that? But that book kind of introduced me to that. And it's definitely been a guiding point for me to be able to think more critically as a CEO. Okay, nice. Cool. Well, thank you, Jerisha. I really appreciate you being on the Dream Chaser podcast. Now, if people want to connect with you, how can they um, do that? Yes. Well, if you're interested on any of the specific strategies or frameworks that we talked about today, and you're like, listen, sis, <laughs> give me I need the full process um you can I have a master class training that you can go register for and watch um it's completely free so you can visit jerishahawk.com backslash workshop um and you can go dive into that outside of that you know I'm very prevalent on Facebook on Instagram so you can you know find me anywhere at Jerisha Hawk, um j-e-r-e-s-h-i-a-h-a-w-k And then I also have a podcast. It's called Jerisha Said. Um, We have new episodes that drop every week. So come hang out with me on social or go watch the masterclass for some additional strategic resources. Cool. Well, thank you again for being on today. Thanks so much for having me, Jennifer. This was such a fruitful conversation. Awesome. Thank you for allowing me to hold space with you today. I hope that this episode has encouraged you and helped you to continue moving forward on your dream chasing journey. If you were blessed by this episode, be sure to rate and share with a friend. 
Be sure to visit the show notes at the bottom and click the link to join our Facebook community where we show love and support to each other. Remember this, sis, your dream is worth the work.